Welcome, everyone. I'm Marilyn Stern, Communications Coordinator for the Middle East Forum. Today, we're pleased to welcome Ms. Anna Borshevskaya, the Ira Wiener Fellow at the Washington Institute, who will focus on Russia's policy toward the Middle East. A fellow at the European Foundation for Democracy and formerly with the Peterson Institute for International Economics and the Atlantic Council, she served as Communications Director at the American Islamic Congress. Ms. Borshevskaya conducts translation and analysis for the U.S. Army's Foreign Military Studies Office and its flagship publication, Operational Environment Watch. In addition to writing a foreign affairs column for Forbes, her work is published widely in journals such as the Turkish Policy Quarterly and the Middle East Quarterly. Our topic is Russia's Growing Middle Eastern Prowess. As we approach the upcoming U.S. election, Russia's policies and actions under Putin have antagonized the West and increased tensions in the Middle East. We'll be hearing Ms. Borshevskaya's analysis of these destabilizing events and her projections for a new administration's approach. Ms. Borshevskaya? Uh, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be able to speak with you today. Um, I'm going to start with a few key points uh, because my, my whole presentation really flows out of these points. And I'm going to try to be as brief as possible to leave more time for questions. Um, so first, uh, Vladimir Putin's intervention in Syria a little bit more than a year ago shocked and surprised many. But nothing that Putin did was particularly new. Um, all of this was a long time in the making. Uh, the seeds of what was to come first in Georgia in 2008, then Ukraine in 2014, and then in Syria were there from the very beginning when Putin came to power in March 2000. Uh, moreover, Putin's actions have deep roots in Russian history. Um, second, Russia's Syria intervention was always about so much more than Syria, and it's now at the heart of Russia's relations with the West. Um, third, Putin's Russia um, poses a direct challenge to Western values of freedom and democracy in the Middle East and beyond. And fourth, um, we need a long-term and comprehensive strategy on how to deal with Russia and to understand the seriousness of the threat that it poses to the West. Putin is not going away anytime soon. He is bound to test any new administration. Uh, but moreover, even if he did, the challenge of dealing with Russia would not be over. So with that in mind, let me take a brief step back. Um, and to, to address the question of the future, I, I'd like to take a look at what happened in the, la in the last year, particularly in Syria. Um, uh, when Putin intervened in Syria, he saved Assad from losing ground and positioned Russia as a key actor in the conflict. More broadly, he signaled uh, Russia's return to the region, although Russia was there before. Uh, Putin charted Russia's return to the Middle East from the very beginning. It's just that it wasn't as visible, and so few were paying attention to it. Um, and the results of Russia's interventions of, uh, intervention in Syria have been horrific. Uh, Putin said he wanted to fight terrorists, uh, mainly ISIS, but it was clear from the very beginning from the weapons Putin brought in uh, from his targets that he had no real intention in fighting it. Uh, in fact, not only uh, has he not targeted ISIS with any consistency, at times he even strengthened it. Um, the, the civilian death, death toll has increased uh, in Syria, uh, and Russia bears a lot of responsibility for it. Uh, a number of rights organizations said that Russian, some of Russian targeting was deliberate, um, whether it's targeting uh, infrastructure such as hospital and medical facilities. 
uh, to empty towns of Aleppo and so forth, uh, and, and to just simply targeting civilians themselves. Um, most recently, last week, on October 26th, press reports indicate that Syria and Russia again, um, the Syrian regime and, and Russia again killed civilians, including children, in the village of Haas in, in the Idlib province. Um, a number of top European officials have publicly uh, acknowledged Russia's key role in destabilizing Europe through increasing refugee flows. Uh, Putin did not create uh, the problem. But he took as much advantage of it as he could and tried to make it and, and tried to help make it worse. Um, Russia's alliance with Iran in the Middle East has strengthened in the region uh, precisely over Syria, uh, and Putin has emerged as backing an anti-Sunni bloc. Uh, Putin says he's friends with everybody in the Middle East. He certainly uh, ha he certainly has a close relationship uh, with Turkey, with Egypt, um, and with Israel. Uh, but what's interesting, he downplays the sectarian issue in the Middle East. So when he talks about Syria or anything else regionally, um, he says that this is an issue of legitimate government versus terrorists. Um, but in reality, his actions show that he's closer to the Shia bloc um, in the region. Previous ceasefires in Syria, of course, have broken down. Uh, in fact, Assad's forces have used it in the past to regroup, to gather strength. Um, when the last ceasefire broke in Syria, it bro uh, broke down, it didn't surprise anybody. Um, on the analyst side, uh, there were certainly no um, incentives built in uh, for the ceasefire to hold, uh, nothing to, um, uh, no pressure on the regime uh, to truly abide by the ceasefire. And last week, uh, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said that the entire Syrian territory must be liberated or it will fall into the hands of jihadists. This is an interesting shift because in the past, whenever Assad would talk about regaining every inch or every area, uh, of Syria, uh, the Russian government stayed silent. In fact, they, they, they often uh, signal that their goals are a little bit more modest, that they're not interested in all of Syria, but really just protecting uh, their own interests on the Mediterranean and ensuring their own access. But this statement is certainly worth uh, paying attention to because it's, it signals, uh, again, a greater role for Russia that we haven't seen before. But what about Russia domestically? I, I want to say a few words about Russia's domestic situation because uh, for Russia, unlike Western countries, domestic issues are tied deeper to foreign policy, uh, more so than in, 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 in the West. Um, and um, for a while, the Syria campaign dominated news in Russia. Uh, it distracted the Russian public from domestic problems um, until the so-called the, the so withdrawal announcement of, of March of last year when, when Syria more or less disappeared from the news. Um, I, I call it a faux withdrawal. It certainly was not a real withdrawal. Russia was actually bringing in more weapons than it was taking out. But, uh, but it was an interesting message, um, geared, I think, in part for domestic audience. Uh, which was very worried about another Afghanistan situation uh, for, for Russia. So um, Putin was eager to show that this was a very cheap uh, campaign, that it was very clean with, very, with, with minimum uh, losses in terms of uh, deaths, but also in terms of costs. Um, based on the official numbers that, that we have, the entire Syrian operation appeared very cheap. Uh, and even if the real numbers are higher, uh, it seems that the Russian defense budget can certainly handle it. Uh, Putin emphasized the military training aspect of Syria. He flat out said, when talking about Syria, there's no more efficient way of training than in real combat. 
the munitions that the Russians dropped were relatively inexpensive, and some of them have been earmarked for maneuvers or for military exercises. And Russia also cynically used Russia, uh, Syria as, as a display case for, for, its, for, for its weapons. Uh, Putin has also remained consistent. He's been very consistent uh, in his messaging. Uh, and he, he had a lot of goals in, in the region and in, uh, more broadly and also in Syria. But, I, but his main one, in my view, is to stay in power. Everything he does is to stay in power. Um, so to that end, he aims to position Russia as a great power. Uh, the, the emphasis on greatness is important um, uh, internationally and domestically for him, uh, a, a power with which the US has to speak on equal terms. Delegitimize the very idea of Western democracy. Putin, unlike the Soviet Union, does not have an ideology. We're dealing with something different than the Soviet Union right now. So he doesn't so much stand for something as he stands against something, and that is the West, its core values and ideals. Um, he himself has never experienced a real democracy. And I, I frankly, this is my view, I, I genuinely I believe that he genuinely doesn't think uh, that there is a real democracy anywhere. Um, his message, since he came to power, was very consistent. He always said that that he was no different from, from Western democracies. Um, and, and I think he believes it. Um, he's looking to deflect from Ukraine crisis by bringing himself out of international isolation and to create a choice for the West. It's either ISIS or Assad, and this is why he's targeting civilians. Putin also genuinely believes that the West orchestrates regime change, um, whether it's in the post-Soviet space or in the Middle East or within Russia itself. I think, again, he genuinely believes that you know, he can't even conceive of a possibility that the people themselves would organize uh, and demand change, that somebody had to stand behind it. Um, it's also important for him to project Russia's naval power beyond the Black Sea. Uh, and again, there's, deep, uh, there's a lot of history here. This is not new. Uh, Russia is a traditional land power, historically sought out ports, especially warm water ports. And Syria is the perfect entry into the region uh, for him. And of course, the distraction of, of, of the Russian public. This began in Ukraine um, in 2014 with Crimea, when uh, Putin's approval ratings have dropped. The, Ru the Russian economy was lagging. He was able to get the Russian people to temporarily rally around the Russian flag by annexing Crimea, by saying that this is no time to talk about uh, rights issues. We have security issues to deal with. Um, he certainly did that with Syria as well. And uh, the interesting thing about that is once you start on that path, you have to keep going. You have to invent new crises. Uh, otherwise, people, again, return to, to domestic problems. Um, I just want to bring up one quote also to illustrate why this point is not new in Russia's history. Um, uh, a very well-known 19th century Russian satirical writer, Sotokov Shedrin, um, said this about the Russian government. Uh, they're talking about nationalism. They must have stolen again. Um, and Putin is finally testing the West. He always tests the West. Um, he takes little steps, uh, and he watches to see if there's any pushback. And if there's no pushback, he, he thinks that he needs to keep going. Um, and so with that, let me segue into the future and what we can expect from Russia and what I, what I think we should do. Uh, Putin is using the next, uh, the, the, these coming days, he's been using the, this last month, that, um, knowing that because the US is in the election cycle, um, that, it's, that no major decisions are going to be made. And so he intensified pressure on all fronts um, through information warfare, uh, cyber warfare, uh, emphasis on military force, uh, a deployment of missiles to Kaliningrad, and, and, and so forth. Um, 
And in Syria, he's hoping that uh, what's left of Aleppo is pretty much destroyed. So again, it's coming back to that choice, presenting the West with an artificial choice. It's either ISIS or Assad. Um, Putin says that Russia is not a friend to Assad, that they're not wedded to him. Um, in fact, I doubt that he even respects him. But, but I think this, it's a little bit misleading in a sense that it creates an impression of greater flexibility than Russia really has. It, it's certainly true in a literal sense. Uh, Russia is not wedded to Assad, but they are wedded to keeping either him or someone like him in power to further their aims. And on this, they're not going to budge. Uh, massive deployments on the Ukraine border, I think, are likely to remain. And so there's more, uh, and, uh, and Putin wants to keep using Syria uh, to pressure the West uh, uh, with this. They keep pressure on Europe. Um, and finally, Russia's domestic uh, developments continue to get worse and worse, the suppression of all dissent that we're seeing, glorification of the worst monsters in Russia's history, from Stalin to Ivan the Terrible. Um, basically, at this point, Russia is a one-man rule. Um, the, the Soviet Union was not, that there, there was a party and, and there was an ideology. This is simply a one-man rule, and it's, it's unstable and, to some extent, unpredictable. Um, Otto von Bismarck and a number of other European statement, uh, statesmen have said, Russia is never as strong as it seems, nor as weak as it seems. Uh, and I think that remains true today. In many respects, Russia is certainly a weak and declining power. But at the same time, it remains a number of considerable strengths. Uh, it is on a slow de degradation path, and I think it's going to stay on this path. But it's not near a collapse. So I don't think we need to, we should count on the Russian economy collapsing anytime soon. And if anything, the Kremlin is aware, very aware of, of, of its economic problems. And Putin is certainly acting out of weakness, but it's the weak countries that are often most dangerous. So with that, I, I want to um, come back to my main point. We need a long-term and comprehensive strategy on how to deal with Russia. Uh, Putin takes advantage of disunity among European um, allies and um, between European and American allies. Um, so there needs to be more unity in how we handle Russia with the, in the West. Um, any talks that we have with Russia should be within the framework of that strategy and that vision. Um, uh, we could certainly look into increasing sanctions against Russia. Many sanctions have been effective, such as sanctions against the Russian military-industrial complex, um, sanctions for war crimes. I, I, I think Russia is guilty of war crimes in Syria. Um, so clear support for key allies in the Middle East, which is something that we haven't done to this point, and Putin has, been, uh, Putin has picked up on that very early on. Um, uh, a, 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 threat, a credible threat of limited use of force in certain instances, for example, if, there are, uh, if any future ceasefires are written, um, the only way they, can, they, they will be abided by if there's some kind of um, limited use of force against Assad forces. Um, and most of all, we should be firm and decisive and, and draw, uh, have very clear lines that Moscow cannot cross, because Moscow will, um, will exploit any ambiguities um, uh, th 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 in any agreements. And we certainly cannot keep, keep taking Putin at his word. We've done that in Syria for over a year now with terrible consequences. We, we, t we in the West tend to think that uh, if we can resolve everything with talk, but Putin is, is hostile to us. He's not a, in, in a direct, it's not a direct military war, but he certainly sees us as a threat to him. So we talk from one position, he talks from another, and, and we need to cardinally change our approach um, to Russia if we are to succeed. Ultimately, Putin's um, 
abilities are limited. They're only contingent on what the West does. Uh, and uh, so I would just conclude with saying we need to settle in for the long haul and realize the seriousness of the threat. And with that, I'll conclude, and I'll be happy to take questions. Thank you. The question and answer pe uh, period will now begin, and we invite your participation. Please note that when there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. To join the question and answer session queue, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to identify yourself when your line has been unmuted, please do so. Please remember, if you have your phone on mute, take it off mute when you are selected to ask your question. Again, to join the question and answer session queue, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Okay, we have our first caller, and we'll take that question now. Caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear your line is unmuted. Well, thank you very much. Um, you covered a lot of ground there. Um, this is Janet Derflinger. Could you please comment on the foreign policies towards Russia of the presidential candidates? Sure. Um, Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, I'll be pretty blunt. I, uh, 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 Trump's, uh, Trump's um, association, associations with Russia, the alleged connections with Russia are extraordinarily troubling. Um, his comments uh, about um, Russia, frankly, uh, show how ignorant he is uh, of the Putin regime, of, of what's really happening in Russia. I, uh, I'm extremely worried uh, of, of what kind of a policy uh, Trump would have if he's elected president, because at best, at best, he simply doesn't understand who he's dealing with. Um, with, with Hillary Clinton, um, this is a different situation. Uh, she certainly understands very well the nature of the threat. Um, uh, certainly the hacking, uh, or at least the alleged hacking, um, for which there's very strong evidence into the DNC uh, uh, is testament to that. Um, but beyond rhetoric, my concern with Hillary Clinton is that um, if, she, if she becomes president, rhetorically she may change, she may talk tougher on, on Russia, um, but she's, she's going to be less inclined to do anything differently, in part from pressures from the more left uh, forces of the Democratic Party. Um, uh, and uh, 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 perhaps uh, because she will be thinking about re-election once she gets into office. So uh, again, the rhetoric might change, and it might change for the better. But I am concerned that in practice, uh, uh, she won't go. She won't go far enough. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> sure. Thank you. So just a reminder: if you wish to uh, ask a question, press star one on your touchtone phone. And um, so at this time, oh, there we go. We have a caller with a question. Uh, when you hear your line is unmuted, if you wish, you may identify yourself. Hi, this is Linda Caro. I'd like to, uh, to know what you think of the Chinese boots on the ground in Syria, and will Russia wake up and recognize that China is not an ally but is a foe? Mm, that's a great question. Um, it, it's a very important one. Um, uh, you, you know, I often think that whenever Putin talks about the, the, the threat that NATO uh, poses to Russia and so forth, that the real threat to Russia is China. Um, 
uh, it's certainly never. It, it's certainly not NATO. Uh, um, I, 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 I am skeptical that that uh, Putin will uh, recognize that um, for a number of reasons. First of all, he he doesn't have much of a choice. He he is uh, isolated to some extent by the West, and so he's turning eastward. Um, but I think it's also just a, a reaction of a, of a dictator. Dictators just tend to d gravitate towards other dictators and uh, authoritarian regimes, and that, that's what China is. Um, uh, you know, long term, uh, uh, I, I think what China is doing uh, bodes very badly for Russia. For example, uh, several years ago, Russia and China concluded uh, an agreement uh, um, uh, on selling uh, um, uh, an energy agreement on very bad terms to, to Russia, according to all economic analysis that I've read. Um, in terms of Russia's Far East, which is depopulated uh, severely, uh, and uh, China is increasingly looking in that direction, it's very worrisome from, from a Russian perspective. Um, but. Um, uh, but I don't know. Uh, I, I doubt that Putin himself is going to do anything, um, because um, uh, whether it's in Syria or 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 elsewhere, when it comes to China, uh, because he really sees the West as a, as his main enemy, um, and in this sense, what's good. So what Putin, what's good for Putin is very bad for Russia. Thank you. Sure. Okay, so um, again, uh, star one on your touchstone phone to ask a question, and while we're waiting, I'll turn it back to Marilyn. Thank you. Uh, yes, Anna, um, you know, with the recent um, buildup in Eastern Europe and the narrative that Putin hoped to advance was to drive a wedge between U.S. and our European allies, he calculated on Obama's inaction in the Middle East, but did he calculate on the unified response to his assertiveness in Eastern Europe that's being shown with the uh, coming together of a lot of different Western interests that he may have mm -hmm. surmised were just going to follow uh, America's lack of lead? Mm. I don't. I don't think he counted on it as this much. No. That. That's. The, thank you for that question. I. I do think he miscalculated somewhat, and um, he misread misread the situation. Frankly, as he did uh, with with Turkey, uh, with downing with the downing of the Turkish jet. I think he miscounted severely on, on Erdogan's uh, uh, response to the downing of the jet. Uh, no. I. I think he he misread the situation, and um, uh, you know he. It's a Testament to the fact that he's certainly not infallible. He was overconfident, but I also think our uh, inaction on so many levels for several years has led him to make that that conclusion, and that's why it's so important to stand by our allies to enforce red lines, which uh, we did not do in Syria in 2013. Um, you know that that's where his thinking is coming from. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, well, being that it focuses on the Middle East, can you give us some insight into how Russia perceives? these rebel groups, the, uh, the Kurdish uh, mm -hmm. approach, and what their nuanced approaches are to policy regarding uh, those players. Well, when it comes to um, uh, the, uh, the Kurdish issue is very interesting. Russia has very long um, uh, ties to the Kurds. They go back over two centuries. Um, and um, the Kremlin always pays lip service uh, to the Kurdish cause of self-determination, but um, but in reality, Putin is just using it. Um, and again, this is not new. This was um, this was in the Soviet Union as well. Uh, the Kremlin always used the Kurdish issue to drive a wedge between um, NATO allies, mainly mainly Turkey. 
and uh, um, I, I, in, we're now in a situation where uh, Russia and Turkey have come back together. Um, there's uh, there's growing ties despite um, the, the incident of the downing of the Russian jet. Um, but it's not entirely an equal relationship. Uh, Putin has a little bit more leverage and flexibility in the relationship than Turkey does. And I think in that sense, uh, that's why Kurds are so important for Putin. He consistently insisted that um, Kurdish groups get included in the um, uh, Syrian talks, uh, specifically groups that do not uh, uh, that, that do not see Assad's departure um, as a precondition for talks. Uh, more uh, more broadly, um, in terms of uh, the, the breakdown of all the different groups in the region, um, Putin paints everybody with a very broad brush. They're all terrorists. Um, and that's what he, I mean, he's repeatedly come out and said this. He, he thinks that, um, uh, that Americans are, uh, are, are wrong um, to say that there are moderate forces. Everybody's a terrorist. And, um, and, and I think he believes, again, I think he believes that as well. Okay, thank you. Sure. Right. We'll take our next question. And caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so when you hear your line is unmuted. Hi, Rich Kroll from Louisville, Colorado. Um, with respect to uh, Obama's strategic uh, partners, uh, Russia and Iran, uh, uh, clearly anything bad for the United States is good for Russia. Therefore, I don't expect any any uh, um, restraint in terms of uh, trying to get the Iranians to reduce their terrorism activities. However, at the nuclear level, do you think that uh, Russia would uh, can or would uh, attempt to restrain uh, the mullahs? I don't know how much leverage Russia has uh, over the mullahs, uh, to be perfectly frank. Um, the, the Russia alliance um, is, is very interesting. There's a lot about it that we don't know, again, because both are closed regimes. Um, I think what is, but I think what's bringing them together is uh, their uh, their joint desire to stand up to the West to reduce um, uh, Western influence in the Middle East and especially the spread of democracy. Uh, um, I I think that. Uh, Arguably, Iran, frankly, if anything, has more leverage over Russia than the other way around, for example, Central Asia and the Caucasus. Um, but more beyond that, whether or not they, they are able uh, to have that influence, I, I don't think they're interested in using it. Because what they are interested in doing is forging closer ties with Iran to face the West, uh, mainly the United States, in the Middle East. And together, they have a greater chance of resistance uh, in the Middle East than separately. Um, Russia and Iran are certainly, um, they, they have a complicated relationship. Uh, they, they have a long 500-year, if not more, history of rivalry and competition. Um, but, but I do think that when, when we look at that history, it's important to remember that they can certainly come together when they need to. Um, and although there is distrust, uh, a lot of distrust on both sides, the closeness of recent Russian-Iranian ties is really unprecedented in the last 500 years of uh, bilateral relations of these two countries. Um, so uh, although there are lots of questions to be asked, such as how long can Russia maintain that alliance, how can they maintain that balance, while also keeping closer ties with Israel, um, certainly there will be a number of forces that will continue to undercut that alliance. But that said, so far, Putin has managed it pretty well. And even a short-term alliance can do a lot of damage to American interests in the long term. Thank you. OK, there are no further questions in the queue, so I'm going to turn it back to Marilyn. Thank you.
Uh, we're going to be approaching 4.30, and I will ask the last question. Uh, Anna, as far as the domestic front in Russia, uh, mm -hmm. if you, could, you could give us uh, a picture of what the general population awareness is of the um, situation going on, how tuned in they are, the uh, reports mm -hmm. of the buildup of the, um, the, the defense drills that were being held. Um, what is their general tenor, uh, the general mm -hmm. tenor of the approach in the population there, since it, it is under a different system than ours, and uh, we really don't have a full picture of what that mood is on the ground? Sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, right after that, I will say that because this is a closed system and um, we cannot conduct a credible poll in, in Russia. In fact, the last uh, remaining um, most respected uh, pollster in, in Russia, the Levada Center, was recently named uh, a foreign agent. The Russian government labeled it as a foreign agent after um, a poll that Levada Center conducted that uh, showed Putin's United Russia Party in less than favorable terms. Um, so uh, th there's just very little credible information that, that, that we can gather when it comes to uh, polling. Um, I certainly think that, that when it comes to Putin's approval ratings, they are engineered. I don't think they are um, uh, nearly as high as the numbers claim to be. Um, uh, that said, because it's a closed system, we, we ultimately don't know. Uh, the extent, for example, of Putin's support. We did see that um, in, the, in the Duma election, the parliamentary election in September, less than 50% came out to vote which signaled, uh, uh, to me, uh, a widespread apathy. And this, and this is the sense that I, uh, that I also get uh, uh, from uh, my own personal uh, uh, visits and just uh, interactions, that there, there's a lot of apathy um, and depression, especially uh, among the Russian middle class, um, uh, who, who by and large tends to be more pro-Western than the lower class. Um, in terms of how informed they are, again, it's very hard to tell because so much um, that that's, most Russians get their news from television. And television, of course, presents an, an extraordinarily distorted uh, viewpoint. In fact, many Russians have simply stopped watching television in Moscow because they know that the Russian government is, is trying to distract them and trying to confuse them. But that said, it's very hard um, to find accurate information for, for an average Russian citizen. They could, if they wanted to, they could go online and they could find sources. The internet is not blocked the way it's blocked in China. But it takes a lot of effort. It takes a very special uh, uh, persistence. And very few average people who are not political are going to be willing uh, uh, to do that. So I, I certainly think that they're certainly not well informed. They, 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 they see a very distorted, distorted picture. Um, and even though deep down many, again, especially in Moscow and St. Petersburg, uh, feel that the government is lying to them, uh, it's very hard for them to understand what is the truth because th the intent of this propaganda is to confuse. It's not really to present um, an accurate image. It's just to make people uh, confused and ultimately paralyzed and turn away from politics. Mm. Well, thank you. And uh, I see there is one person that still has a question who asked before, but I would like to know, do you have uh, the time to take that last question? Sure. sure. OK. Uh, go ahead, Bonnie. Please introduce okay. her. Thank you. So we'll take our last question now. And caller, if you wish to identify yourself, please do so. Uh, yes, it's Linda. Yes, it's Linda Caro again. I do have one more question, uh, stemming from your comment where you said that a short-term alliance between Russia 
and Iran has a lot of uh, does a lot of damage to the United States. Uh, the question that that begs really is why is Obama empowering Russia in the Middle East? Is he trying to do a long-term grand strategy to uh, change the balance of power so that Russia counters China, for example? Uh, thank you for the question. I. Um uh, I don't think that uh, uh, President Obama is fully cognizant that, that's, that, 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 that what he's doing is empowering Russia, although I certainly we've seen um, a change um, in, in his rhetoric and his behavior. But I think he continues to believe, um, and we've seen this in the interviews that he gave, such as the interview in The Atlantic, for example, uh, that he, he continues to believe that he was right uh, in, by, in not interfering in Syria. Um, I simply think he uh, he refuses to recognize the, the the damage that Russia's presence is doing in Syria and is going to conti continue doing um, in Syria, but also more regionally for American interests. I um, I, I wish I had a, I wish I had a, diff a more um, detailed answer, but I, I simply think he's wrong. He's not recognizing that he's made a mistake. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. That was interesting. Thank you. Okay, we've come to the end of our time. Middle East Forum would like to thank our participants for calling in and to our speaker, Ms. Anna Borshevskaya, for her insight and analysis. And this concludes our conference call.